Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. We want to thank them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pullstring Press for this great studio. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, good morning, Mark. It is, uh, it is so lovely out. We're, what, we're middle of May yeah, well, it's it's Santa Barbara, and we're not experiencing May Gray, which is very exciting. Right. Yeah. So for those of us who are listening from another country, I'm another sorry, land. I'm sorry that you don't live in Santa Barbara. We'll take a picture and send it to them. <laughs> right? We'll do that. You can look at the live cam from our basement. <laughs> yes. Even the sun is so bright out that we can feel it in the basement. We have, we have a ret- we have so I want to I want to set this up. We have a return guest, very exciting, who is the CEO Greg Venes, who is the CEO of Tolman and Weicker. Welcome, Greg. I've heard of Tolman and Weicker before. Every Friday, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Greg, thanks. Welcome back. But first, I've been doing a uh, we've been doing breaking news on your award as the number one best place to work in Santa Barbara. He's looking at you like you're going to need to be a little more specific. (laughs) In Santa Barbara Ventura and San Luis Obispo counties by the Pacific Coast Business Times, that was based on direct feedback from the employees. From our team members. We've been been talking about that on the show for the last several weeks since we heard about that because... We're thrilled to be associated with you, and you know that that just speaks to the kind of quality that we talk about all the time. But I, I would love to know what what are the top three things you think it takes, or that you've are consciously aware of as it relates to culture in your business. Sure. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here, and it is a pleasure to support the. Your, your podcast oh, series. Thanks. And I enjoy listening to the podcast as a, as a subscriber. Oh, great. And, and of course, it's a, it's a pleasure to co-partner with um, Cal Lutheran School of Management in, the, in that regard of, you know, helping to continue the series. You guys do a great job. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. Uh, in terms of culture, um, my belief is that culture is the foundation of delivering with excellence for clients. And Ours is built on two fundamental building blocks, a high concern for people and a high concern for results. And and in my view, those two fundamentals have to be present in order to have a successful business that delivers for clients and and keeps those clients and sustains growth through new clients. in that you didn't mention money well money I'm, comes I'm confused money but... money comes as a result of doing great work right and right and and, and, right. and you know being substantially different and better in our marketplace and we we are in a very competitive marketplace as most businesses are these days certainly the businesses we serve are in a competitive yeah, space bet. and we work very hard to try and add value to you know them as as executives and and to their team and and help them to be best in class in various ways so that they can continue to grow and prosper. And all of those words, those are all words that, that don't say profit, greed. You know, you're saying, like, we drive towards the idea of, of having a meaningful experience. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so 
for us and 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 the you know and, and you know my role as as the senior leader of the firm and as the as the leader of the leadership team which really on a daily basis drives the local culture through our team members right we are are very focused on our clients experience right. first and in order to do that we have to have quality team members who understand why there, you know, um, w- you know, That's with enough. our with our organization and what what we're here to do, which is to to serve our clients with excellence, of course, and to really protect them yeah. against catastrophic loss. That's the why. Um, it's a very honorable profession in in that regard. Mm-hmm. We're not the first call that people make when you know they have a disaster, you know, or or a, or a burglary or, or a situation, but we're usually the second call. Mm. And so what we do is really super important for protecting people's livelihoods, their families, health care, their, you know, their business, you know, their financial futures. And our team takes that very seriously. So in order to deliver on that culture of, of excellence with, with a place that engages people's, not only in people's minds, but their hearts mm-hmm. with the mission is, is critical. And we spend a lot of time recruiting and evaluating talent so that they're the right fit to deliver on that, surrounding them with the right training and the right resources and, and the right career opportunities so that they can continue to grow their career. And, and in that regard, we try and play to their strengths because there's a number of different roles within an insurance brokerage environment that serves clients that you know we can, we can play to people's strengths in. Uh, so... Th- that's a very long-winded answer to your question. What are, what are the you know the, the we ways that time. we look at culture? But uh, we think that that is the fundamental underpinning of how we go about it, and that's a fairly simple concept: high concern for people, high concern for results. And it's not easy to deliver on every day. So uh, we spend a lot of time as a leadership team talking together about that. I run a quarterly leadership workshop with our supervisors, managers, branch managers, executive team, so that we all understand the difference between being a high-level individual contributor, which is where leaders come from, and and out of that pool, you know, most companies throw a leadership hat on you and, <laughs> and then say, okay, now, deliver great results through others. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time talking about how to get that done because that's a very different role. During the interviewing process, uh, are, do you – um, talk to every candidate? I talk to just about every candidate that comes through Ventura, so, which is the home office of Tolman and Weicker and where I am the also the branch manager, you know, the, the, the sure. site leader, if sure. you will. Uh, and in our other offices, we have a branch manager sure. in each office who rolls up to me, but they, they're responsible for the ultimate hiring decision there. Sometimes for the sales teams, I'll get involved in those interviews too. In Ventura, I'm involved as the pretty much the final stop on almost every team member hire. In the recruiting process, what percentage of the conversation is related to discerning if there's a cultural fit? Uh, a, hu- a huge <laughs> part of what we weave into the discovery. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we we take our time, you know, and, and, and for, for a number of reasons. We want to get to know candidates and you know we want to expose them to at least two of, of our management team in the interview process before they get to me and we're really looking for three things we're uh-huh. looking for can they do the job yep. you know do yeah. and in some cases at the entry level you don't have a lot of track record in the industry to depend on but what else have you done sure. that indicates that you know you're 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 likely to do good work for us 
Um, will you do the job? Okay. Do you have the motivation? Have you, do, do you have the work ethic? You know, will you fit in? Will you collaborate? Be a good team player. And then third, and, and probably most important to your question, do they fit? And, and that is, you know, a combination of personality and, uh, you know, kind of behavioral style. Because if you bring um, this person in and lose three other people over it. Right. Yeah. You know, as they say, you know, the old cliche, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, it's really true. Yeah. Um, we are, are really, really focused on making sure we've got positive you know, problem solvers yeah. that, you know, can can learn and, and work well with others. And we can train them insurance, but we usually can't train their attitude. So we look right. for positive right. attitude and then um, and somebody who's willing to learn and, and work hard at it and, and have some fun while they're doing it because we, you know, we believe in, you know, work hard, play hard, all with the aim of delivering with excellence for clients, naturally. And it's still really hard to tell what it's what they're going to be like once you drop them into the live environment, right, with the other fish in the Oh, tank, yeah, but you stop right? paying attention, right? Like, don't you just hire somebody and then never yeah, check no, in no, with no, them? No, 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 no. Some, so, no. some companies do that, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 again, this, this dear listener, Jenny, you're listening to us again, right? I, I'm going to call you out from podcast to podcast. Uh, th- this is applicable to every business absolutely you know whether you're yeah. you're three or four or you're three or four hundred do you have a because it's it's hard to figure out i mean i've interviewed you know a lot of people as you have more than two more than two <laughs> and trying to figure out if you believe that cultural fit is the is more as as or more important um do you have a question that you like that helps get to the nub of that? I don't know that there's one silver bullet question, but it's, it's, <laughs> Please, it's, isn't there it's, just, it's, one? it's just the one that will always reveal, you know, <laughs> yeah, the truth. Solves uh, everything. Yeah, don't we wish. We're right? going to teach that um, in school. Yeah. It, it's, we, we have, have tried to model what, what they call in the, in the best practices of HR these days, you know, the, the behavioral interviewing questions mm-hmm. that, okay. you know, so, so tell me about a time when you, you know, solved a problem that involved, you know, working with others to, to get that done or, you know, came up in against so, a difficult so situation a and you had to, yes, tell me a story. Exactly. Tell me about an experience or tell me what you've done. But are you being self, because are you being self-reflective there? Because uh, you have to take the temperature to know, like, well, what's that answer that's going to ring with you? Because they might give a totally plausible, honest, sincere answer, but it doesn't really ring with you, the guy who's who's at the top listening to this. So, I mean, are you spending some time thinking about how to ask those questions and, and what mm-hmm. your, you know, what is what is your value system oh, yeah. individually? And, 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 and there's always a flow. It, yeah. every, every interview discussion is a little bit different, just as every podcast right, that yeah, you sure. folks have is, every, sure. is, is a little sure. different. So there's there's a flow and you're and you're going with it and you're you, you know and oftentimes you know somebody will provide an answer and then you can go a little deeper yeah. tell me more about that yeah. you know have you been inspired lately have you have you been in an interview situation where somebody's really like activated you absolutely yeah. uh, i'm very impressed these days with the quality of people that want to come into our business not just because it's Tolman and Weicker although they do you know 
check up on us. That's right. And, and, and you know, now that we're a best place to work, we hope that that resonates with people and, and, and that's become yeah. visible. But even before then, we have a reputation as being a, a place that cares about people and also wants, you know, to be, you know, a high-quality professional environment. And that creates stability and, and, and long-term career growth for people. So we're, we're always looking for how we can flesh that out for someone in, in, you know, and find out where, where they'd be a good fit. There's, there's times, you know, and I'll get to your, you know, have I been inspired, um, in, in the process of, of you know, discovering who these people are, and that's that's really how how I define it. We're 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 going through this process of discovery. You know, people are trying to you know get a job, but they are also trying to figure out if we're the right place for them. Mm-hmm. We're we're competing mm-hmm. for talent. Right. Um, so it's not just a one way street. They're they're learning about us. We're learning about them. We're trying to yep. discover if we've got a good fit. Right. Meeting of the minds. And yeah, these aren't desperate people in seeking no. the first right, right, job. Right. What ever, they're yeah. really looking for is, is that that best combination yeah. of fit for them. Where can I find meaningful work with great people surrounded yeah. by really good team members and, and good leadership? Yeah. Because, you know, these days people know that that matters because that's environment, (laughs) right? And, and you're laughing. Well, just because they've experienced the other. (laughs) Often they have in in, in a variety of ways. And, and when we ask them to tell the stories about, you know, adversity that they've, you know, worked their way through and problems that they've solved, some of the stories that we hear are remarkable. And, Mm on behalf of all the millennials out there who are, you know, trying to get a foothold and trying to get a job, I'm impressed with the quality of the people in that generation who are really resourceful mm-hmm. and uh, resilient. And it, it, at least the ones that are coming mm-hmm. to us seem to really have their act together, which we really appreciate. And they're willing to work hard. They're willing to solve problems. They're willing to take ownership. They're willing to really, you know, fight through some difficulty in their lives in some cases, uh, situations that I never had to deal with. I've had my share of adversity, but not in the same way that some of these team members were bringing in, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's gratifying because it gives us a high level of confidence that they're going to be a good fit for us. It flies in the face of, of current media reports on right. that. I was just, I was yeah. just right. thinking. The right. masked concept of, yeah, of, of right. you know. Did, oh, was it hard for them to get out of their parents' basement? You know, it's yeah, like, this entitlement mentality, which, you know, let's face it, the entitlement mentality isn't just limited to the millennial generation. Right. So, you know, no one should be painted with the broad brush of, yeah, oh, right. you're a baby boomer. Right. I know who you are. You know. Right. Uh, well, it's, it's, it sells papers. It sells papers sure to, it to clump people together like that and give them these negative traits. It sounds salacious. Yeah. I... Uh, so you may know I do another podcast called Hacking the Red Circle, which is a TEDx yes. podcast, and I talk to guys. And I was talking to the guy who does a TEDx Port of Spain, which is in Trinidad. Okay, of course. And I said, um, so you're an activist. And he goes, I am not an activist. Huh. And it, it, in a very nice way. Right. He's, he's, he said, what happens when you give someone a label? So I'm going on the label of things. Yeah, yeah. You, you other them. Oh, you, you conveniently group them into this place. That you now can, they're the other. And, and now I can do whatever I need to do because they're over there as another. They're he not, said, I'm a citizen. Listening. Yeah. So if go. we said the, you know, these citizens protested, oh. Oh, yeah. The, right. Or these activists protested, 
two different vibes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we are all citizens. Right. Because you've made me an other. Oh. And I didn't know other was a thing until, you know, our recent political situation, right, has come up. But it's just interesting that we say that. So to your point of of categorizing these people. It's really convenient when we can say millennials because then we can just say, oh, well, that means lives in a basement, doesn't want a job, doesn't know how to communicate, blah, blah, blah. And and you're flying in the face of all that. You you said they were resourceful, which I get. You said they were resilient. What does that look like? Uh, In in, in some cases, uh, we're, we're, you know, interviewing people who have come from difficult backgrounds in their in their families you know mm. uh, you know and and really had to you know work while they went to school put themselves through college in some cases mm-hmm. uh, deal with you know a variety of of challenging circumstances and every story is, a, is is different of course depending on the individual those are the sorts of things that I'm referring to where right they've maintained a positive can do attitude and and taken the long view as they have fought through and, and, and worked through those difficult circumstances that they found themselves in. One of the things I know about your firm, because we've had opportunity to talk a lot, is that you teach the team members to, it's really all about that client's business. Like, understand that business. Don't just go in there as the insurance person, right? Just That's go right. and really understand the business, and you're gonna find ways to help because as you said, it's um, how do we protect them against catastrophic loss? You know, you're there on their worst day, right? right? Which exactly. is, is, and so I'm, I'm curious about your ongoing training because I think in businesses, what happens is leaders forget that there's really a development opportunity there to continue to develop your workforce. Tell, tell me about how you approach that. Well, it's it's, you're absolutely right, and it's driven somewhat by the pragmatic reality that the business environment that our clients are operating in is changing. Their businesses are changing. You know, the the globalization of the economy sure. has exposed businesses to risks associated with global supply chain management, to just use one example, right. or data security and, and cyber risk that's exploding. Fifteen years ago, that wasn't on the list. It really wasn't. Yeah. And all of those things give rise to our need mm-hmm. to stay current with that and be out in front of it with our with our clients who are busy running their businesses day to day. And in many cases, when our risk advisors will talk to a business owner about these various things that are going on in, in, in the world around them, that sort of broader business acumen and understanding risk from a strategic perspective, from an operational perspective, as well as from a hazard perspective. Yeah, your building burns or you have theft. Yeah, we're going to replace your vehicle if it gets stolen. But what about all of the issues that, you know, impact your reputation. What or if a security pay- guard drags one of your clients off a flight? Something like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I and was so just thinking about All that. of those How things. Is- those, those are things wow. that we, we wow. continuously work with our risk advisors and, mm-hmm. and our, our team members to broaden their acumen in all of these areas because if we don't, we won't be relevant to the clients we serve. Right, mm-hmm. right. Why would I keep paying your premiums if, if you're not protecting me against the things that are the biggest threat? Exactly. Yeah. We um, part of our part of our sponsorship 
is that you uh, suggest interesting people to the show for us to talk to, uh, which we love, by the way. And that's one of the fun parts because we get to meet people I never would meet. Well, we, yeah. I was going to say, we get to pretend like, 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 oh, well, we're doing this as a kind, you know, as part of the obligation. But really, it's like, wow, they're an incredible booker. They're oh, my. Down, like, uh, really no, totally. Heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah. No, oops. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Uh, Bill Camarillo of Agraman. Oh, my God. He was so great. He's one of my favorite go back interviews. And, go back yeah. and listen to that oh, show. I have, we, we have his podcast and the recent one that you did with Dr. Tiffany Morris of Ventura oh, County yeah. Office of Education. We She's have fantastic. both of those uh, posted on our website. And and they are both remarkable people, and which yeah. is why we suggested that you, you have them on as podcast guests. But um, Bill's podcast was terrific, and so was He's, Tiffany's. Yeah. The interesting, where I'm going on that was I the appreciation of the risk that, that he has as a businessman, it, I had I had right. no clue. I had no clue. I mean, it didn't dawn on me that, um, you know, they take all the green waste and that the water, if it rains on that, the runoff on that is bad and they've got to contain it and they can't, and like, they've got to insure against that. It's got regulatory like, risk all, all over crazy, the place, right? right? He yeah. operates in a very highly regulata- regulated space. Yeah, just amazing. I, I've got a question on... Again, it's it's risk management. You call them risk advisors, right? Yeah. Um, so just last week, there was a, a malware attack mm-hmm. um, called... I the forget, ransomware. The ransomware, ransomware. That's what it is, yeah. ransomware. Holding your system hostage for dollars. What's it, make we'll me cry or something? Want to cry? Want to cry. That's what it's Want to cry. So um, how do I get a writer for that? Well... Is right or the right the, word? Is that in, in, in a policy, an a insurance, policy. insurance okay. protection. Uh, the the best. Let's face it. In, in part of classic risk management is there's there's five key elements of classic risk management, and one of them is buying insurance. Okay. <laughs> it, so so you know so on the way to buying yeah, insurance, sure. the analysis is you know identify the risk prior you know quantify the risk and prioritize how you're going to deal with it, and then. Do you choose to prevent it? Yeah. Do you choose to reduce it or mitigate it? Do you choose to transfer it by contract or make somebody else responsible for it? Huh. Or do you just want to assume it, not not deal with the possibility, you know, financially, if you've got plenty of money on your balance sheet and you got, you know, a, a way to, to deal with the, the one-off loss that might occur. And then if you choose to, you know, maybe we'll you know, transfer our risk to an insurance policy in exchange for policy premium. And so for data security and cyber risk, including ransomware, there are insurance policies that can be purchased. They're not usually included in someone's property and liability insurance package. There's a minimum amount usually for the, the hardware and the software, you know, that you have if it was stolen or damaged. But more properly, cyber risk both for your systems and your software that you own, and then for your third-party liability and costs to inform your clients that your data has been breached, or to pay ransom to hackers who have seized your system. Those things are insurable. Hmm. And uh, we talk about that relentlessly with our client base. And it's clearly in the news right. almost every day. But reducing right. it to just a business, that, that's what's always so interesting, I think, whenever I talk to an insurance group or, or anybody working with them is, is, is they, t- they, they 
remove this very emotional, like they can take away that emotional problem that I'm having with the situation. They're like, no, this is just, we're just doing math here. We're just dealing with the, with those, we're evaluating those, those potential outcomes. We're evaluating how we could help make that uh, less of a painful thing. But because from my end, thinking about my entire computer getting locked up and losing my entire network or whatever, that's an emotional day. Sure. You know, and it's like, and so that insurance conversation, they're like, no, we're just, well, we're deal with and, this. And, and I'll bet you, you know, that you folks, like a lot of people, do a little bit of risk management other than buying an insurance policy for your data security, right? You've got antivirus software sitting on your laptop. Um, you've probably um, got logon, you know, um, security that just so no one could just pick up your yeah, laptop. Yeah, my password. And open double it authentication. Yeah, exactly. that that sort of thing. So those are those, that's that's essentially risk management. Right. That's that's the prevention side of risk management and. A lot of the conversations we have with clients in the diagnosis of, you know, how are you handling data security these days? Where are you? Where is your data backed up? How is it protected? What kind of fire? You know, on and on, right? All of yeah, that. How are you folks handling, you know, mobile device protocols because everybody's mobile, and that's a whole area it's of a whole expanded, world, yeah. expanding risk yeah. for businesses. And the prevention side of it, and as 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 a firm who has data that we want to protect, our client data is very yeah, you important yourself. to us. We spend a lot of time and effort and money protecting that data preemptively. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. We have data security sure. um, in- insurance. We have cyber cyber now, liability. Now, where do you but buy we don't ever we don't ever want to have to use it. We want to keep people out of where the do, system. Where do you buy your insurance? Oh well, through the marketplace. <laughs> Yeah, we, we go direct. We have a really great insurance broker called Tolman and Weicker, and it's in the building. With, you know, that, that's our team, uh, and we're we're really good at it. And so, uh, it doesn't mean that we could never be hacked. It just means that if that day ever comes, we know if if our system was shut down, where our backup is, we know what what sort of you know firewall security is best in class, and we've got it. We you have, start enacting the plan. Oh, we've enacted it. Believe yeah. me. Yeah, you and, know what I mean. Right. Like you're not just you're not. That's that's the number one thing I'm hearing you say is that we've anticipated. We we don't we see wa- it coming. Right. We don't want to get hacked. We're doing everything we can to right. avoid getting hacked. But we also acknowledge that if it does happen, we just moved to step two. Well, of the that plan. was well, that it, was number one. He said was ID the risk. Yeah. And and let's face it. If you don't do the preventative measures and the and the risk mitigation measures, you can't buy enough insurance yeah. to cover your exposure. Yeah. If you just leave the door open, you know the hackers will waltz right in and have a field day. So, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I left all this gasoline and all these matches around yeah. the house, and somebody burned somebody it. Somebody will come in and have fun with that. Yeah, and yeah. so we try and make that as difficult as possible. Yeah, the. Um, when, when you said assume it, I didn't help me understand that on the risk management part, where sure. I, I can prevent it or I can transfer. It. Like you said, I wasn't sure what that was, and then you said, "Do I transfer it to an insurance policy?" And I got yeah. that. What is what is I, I'm going to assume the risk? Give me an uh, example of that. Probably the easiest one for you know most people. You you, you have you know auto insurance policy with a deductible. Mm-hmm. Well, the deductible is the portion of the of the claim, the portion of the loss that you are going to assume. Out of, out of your oh, pocket, willing to tolerate up to exactly. Yeah, you know, um, some of our clients have giant deductibles. It, it's they, not important enough to me until it reaches a threshold. Exactly. Right. So you know, the, the the rule of thumb is, you know, don't pay a lot to to protect a little. 
mm-hmm. you know, so you know, so you take as much deductible as you can, realistically. That's not yeah. going to you know cripple you on, on a you know. So you so for a business or for an individual, it's how much risk can you tolerate out of your own pocket for a claim that may not occur frequently, and. Then you know when the loss occurs, you pay the first five hundred dollars of, of of that particular collision, right? And, and so that's an example. And 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 and, and, and as the as the scale gets larger, some of those retained risks can be really really large numbers. But they're companies with huge cash flow and huge balance sheets. Right. We had a we had a, a drunk just driver, recently a drunk driver on Easter morning take out uh, parked cars, a whole line of parked cars. Ours was one of them. And uh, he blew through an intersection at 2.30 in the morning and uh, doing 50 and, and uh, ripped the front end off of an SUV. But the, the insurance component of the story is that um, at the end of it, he had about $5,000 of liability, whatever the base minimum he was you know, allowed to carry, that had to cover six cars, all the injuries that potentially could emerge from the, the SUV that was full of people, you know, middle of the night. And you just, and, and our phone call to our, to our insurance company and they go, yeah, we've, we've chatted with him. He has about $5,000 of coverage. Uh, so we're just going to, we're, we're going to cover you because that's, because yeah. you have good insurance. Yeah. Your insurance will, will pay. And then if they can subrogate or go against his, they'll, they'll try, but good luck with that because he has the the state minimums exactly and my wife did not and that's why i was really uh, that's why i married her <laughs> she doesn't uh, she doesn't courtney, operate courtney she, does not operate did you on hear the, that she does not operate on the minimum of anything she operates go. she operates uh, fully covered perfect um, yeah so so greg um the, the number one thing and because we've we've talked about risk before in the show and, and i think as a business person like that's a that's just part of being an adult and being responsible is, is uh, and they say identifying the risk. So that's like the first one, um, which got me thinking about something. We know what a postmortem is, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, after action debrief or whatever you might call Have it. Have you ever heard of a pre-mortem? Well, that's another way of framing anticipation. Exactly, because yeah. I was talking to uh, TEDx Helsinki, and they do a pre-mortem and say, what are all the things that could happen? Yep. Mm. And so that's kind of the risk conversation. It's the diagnosis conversation. Exactly. So now, what if? So now, what if? Uh, uh, what is the risk that we're, when you come in and look at a business that is maybe wanting to talk to you, or maybe it's an ex- what is the thing that they more often miss when they're doing their risk analysis? That thing they, they, oh, yeah, that's right, that almost all business owners are not paying attention to. I'm going to relate it back to some of the first questions that, that you asked me about culture. And, and my observation is that one of the things that is, for, for, for some businesses, not top of mind because they are working on creating and selling product to a customer and making their business run is the culture within which that happens. And it plays out, culture plays out in a lot of ways that relate to risk. You know, human capital management is the HR buzzword these days. Uh, And, you know, in employee engagement, 
and it's becoming more prominent because it is important. It's important in how people pay attention to what they're doing. It's important how people deliver. It's important to whether or not they're making mistakes or fixing things, you know, and, and the culture in which that's either encouraged or discouraged, mm-hmm. you know, cut back yep. to GM and the ignition yep. switch fiasco and yep. the culture in which that was tolerated and ignored instead of somebody coming in at, at the senior level and saying, we can't have this happening in our firm. And so leaders have to have to set the guardrails on culture and then they have to make sure it's enacted and culture has a lot to do with safety it has a lot to do with liability for how you provide your service or your product it has to do with the workplace in which your employees might get injured and the 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 extent to which there's incentives to do it properly or or you know carrot and stick if they don't and those things are broadly culture in an organization. And we can walk into a business and we can diagnose what's going on, what problems the business owner sees as needing to solve. And often, if, if there are, you know, major areas of concern and the business isn't, you know, best in class and not super well run, and we have a lot of really best in class customers. I want to say that from the get-go. We're very privileged to work with the probably the outstanding businesses in this region, and there are many of them, and we're proud of our clients. Um, we're called in to fix situations sometimes where people are experiencing lost trends or, or adverse, you know, cost of lost development, those kinds of things, and looking for solutions. And a lot of it relates back to culture. A lot of mm. it relates back mm. to management practices. Mm. A lot of it relates back to the the way in which leadership provides the environment in which all of that business activity operates and who they have doing it. And it and it seems like such maybe out of your lane to be the ones that you guys are asking that question, like how is your right. culture going? Right. Well, we don't you know, ask it quite like that, right. but it's it, but it, it it does relate back to it. You know, that's we, we what ask, you're looking at. We ask at. bits and pieces of it naturally. How do you you know what are your you know super you know tell me about your supervisors and huh. how you do safety and you know what are your incentives and you, yeah. on and on and on. So we ask you know the endless questions. They don't know necessarily that you're kind of diagnosing their culture. Everything that we're doing essentially is diagnosing culture. Wow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. it. It's what's what's striking about this is I'm working on a project. Um, I'm not going to out this client. That the it's become obvious in the last several conversations that it is not a technology problem. It's a culture problem. Wow. And it's, that's harder to fix. And I'm I'm so committed. I I own this problem. I mean, it, mentally. Emotionally, I own the problem. I'm not getting paid for that. I'm getting paid for the technology, not, but, but in looking at it, and in talking, it was like this is a cultural problem. Okay, how do I solve a cultural problem? And so then I started talking to some smart people. Right, I happen have had a few You've of them on the show. Plenty of <laughs> right, plenty right, of access right, to them. Right, right, right. Yeah. And yes, and uh, you know what? It netted out. I, and I, I thought, okay, I'm going to dumb this down for myself. I bought. Seriously, no kidding. The Dummy's Guide to Organizational Development. Hmm. There is such a book. And it is all about culture inside organizations. And what what does it look like? How do you change it? How do you move it? How do you do teams? And I thought, I'm just going to go talk and go read from the smartest people about this to see if I can connect the dots between a technology project that humans use. Humans mean culture. Yes. And it's even in the manufacturing process of, of, you know, technology based 
products. People are involved. Oh yeah, <laughs> <As> <laughs> and, it turns and, out. And, and 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 that's where the fun begins because getting great results through others. You know, the, the leadership role that you know, is, is so integral to culture involves getting those results through individuals, and they are all different. Hopefully, they are aligned mm-hmm. in the proper seats with the proper tools, proper training, proper support, proper understanding of the why. Uh, that is real work, and it's usually not the core competency of the subject matter experts that build right. the business. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right, exactly. No, exactly. Uh, you, when you said the why, it got me thinking about Simon Sinek's Yes. Uh, people don't buy. Start what, with why. Well, they don't buy what you build. They buy why you build it. Why you build it. Right. Um, do um, TED Talks play a role in your training at all? Sure. They um, do. Where, where, where they're relevant, I, I show TED Talks to our leadership team when I run our quarterly leadership workshop for our in, internal leadership group, for example. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I'd love to yeah, see your playlist. I've, I've got a, a, a sometime when you're in, in Ventura, come by the office and I'll show you our intranet leadership tab. We have mm-hmm. an internal website right, sure. you know, that has yeah. all sorts of you know material that's basically warehoused at a library of stuff for our team members. And, and I've built a leadership tab mm-hmm. in addition to our sales sure, tab sure. for our salespeople. And I've got a, a, a library of content in there, videos, articles, you name it. You know, I, I, I grab it, you know, and, and, and post it there so I can use it or a team can access it. A, a number of those are TED Talks and videos of that nature. The reason I ask was that one of the motivations for Chris even putting the talks out, because the talk, TED Talks were always secret. And in 09, YouTube had come out and we could just start to put video on the Internet. And he put the first eight talks up there and he said... The, the learning here is too important for us to keep inside. We need to get this out and we get it into classrooms. And his, the vision back then was that um, you, would, you would play a talk and then you would talk about it. Because we don't do that at TED, mm-hmm. right? We just, we have talk, talk, talk. There's no general discussion. No debrief afterwards. What did you learn? What was no. meaningful to you? No, I mean, people do that on, the, on their own. So, I, so I'm just really interested in TED in the workplace, right? I know TED in the classroom, that, that's you know, well-established, TED Ed and all of that. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraged to hear that. Uh, we had, uh, there was a, a local company who went to our TED, uh, American Riviera, and he wrote me later and he says, Mark, I have to tell you that we were so inspired that day that we went and had a three-day offsite just to talk about all those things that we learned. So it's just, again, mm-hmm. and, and that's all cultural stuff, right? It, it is. And I know for myself, uh, me personally, my wife Gina, um, our, 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 our family, and, and, and a lot of our team members, they go to TED Talks for personal enrichment and to continue to build their acumen and perspective on a variety yep. of, of, yep. You know, yep. of topics. I, I tend to, you know go to TED when I want some insight or some inspiration on leadership or marketing or sales or things that are are, are in those kinds of areas or organizational development or culture, you know, uh, and and there's a ton of personal improvement out there in in various respects. Some of it's just 
entertaining, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and so right. there's um, it's it's incredibly valuable, I think. Greg, you're a returning guest, and also you're uh, uh, you, you've talked a lot about the culture that you're experiencing it or that you've created and that you're generating. Tell tell us that I, I, I imagine that there's some people listening that have either worked with you or that are your clients, and they don't have maybe a, a full view of who you are. So what's what are you doing away from the job that's feeding back into this this kind of passion that you have at work? Like what are you doing? What else? What else are you doing in your world uh, that that turned you into this person? Uh, I, I'm a constant reader. Yeah, you know, I'm, huh? I'm constantly you know trying to stay current with what's going on in the world. Some of it's you know business acumen. Some of it's simply personal development and motivation. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in being a life lifelong learner. Yeah, yeah, I still make plenty of mistakes, and I try and learn from them. And and I'm a big believer in that whole concept of being emotionally intelligent, which starts with self awareness and self control, and then spills out into your relationships with you know how you connect with the world. Mm. So I'm constantly working on my you know version of that, and. You know, I try and stay fit because I believe that's the foundation of my mental health. Mm, and mm. and I have a family. I'm blessed with a, a beautiful, um, talented wife. And I've got a 21-year-old son and mm. a 10-year-old daughter. And, and, and they are the center of my, of my <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah, you're and, right. Yeah, and, they are. you know, I was informed today that uh, I'm getting a I, – I have a birthday next month. And I'm getting an advanced birthday present uh, next week. A German Shepherd puppy, oh. which, which, and, and this will be my fourth German Shepherd. We we oh. lost one, you know, about six months ago, and so and now um, we're ready for another about one. About the so, right time to yeah. cycle. And in. so yeah. I'm very excited today. That nice. to, I've seen the pictures. It's 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 really cool <laughs> that we're going to have a puppy. You know, and, and so it's really uh, cool to see a CEO <laughs> yeah. like I've got a puppy. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'd show you the picture. Only I'd start, I'd start gooing and gushing even more than I am right now. So. I think you, all of all of that, you know, is 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 you know meaningful to me, and and I truly enjoy the work I do with the people in our firm and the the people who we connect with as part of that work. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I'm, I'm on some boards. I I do some speaking, you know, to students in in high schools and junior colleges. I enjoy the opportunity to give back. That mm-hmm. that that gives me energy. It, I wish that when I was in high school or even in college, that someone would have shared with me what what the business environment was like, what these opportunities and career paths are like. And so I enjoy giving that back. So a number of things that I try and you know build into you know how how I engage with the world that, that give me energy and that that you know make me who I am. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading. I, I don't have a book that. I, well, actually, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm just finishing a book called "New Sales Simplified" by Mike Weinberg. <laughs> Sounds like a real page turner. <laughs> actually, if 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 you're in that business, it's yeah. a really really good book. Mike yeah. Weinberg is a, a noted sales consultant, and it, he's he's got a really sound f- f- uh, approach to diagnosis and problem solving then and, and, and having advantage in as a as a salesperson you know in, in any competitive industry segment that you know a salesperson would be operating in to deliver great results for clients and mm-hmm. so it's client focused and, and it's 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 very fundamentally sound so I'm enjoying reading that 
I read Wall Street Journal r- relentlessly. I read HBR mm-hmm. uh, and and the blogs that get posted by thought leaders. On, I get a daily news feed from HBR with blog posts. Uh, that's how I start my morning. Is that deep reading where you're, you're really... It's, com- it's like five-minute blog. It's yeah. a five-minute yeah. blog on leadership or five-minute blog on strategy or, or IT or, you know, global supply chain management or whatever that might be. There's, you know, a constant, you know, feed of those that that I can I can absorb quickly and that feeds your mind this this business yeah, mind that you're yeah, using yeah yeah and it, it, it so those are those are the kinds of things I'm reading I had a partner who said that 30 he told me he says mark 30% of your job is reading hmm. it's like we're we are in a technology business mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a slippery slope right? trying to stay ahead of that thing 30% and th- that is hard to do but you're so much better if you can figure out how to find that time to do that, right? You're just because you're yeah. staying on top of things. Greg, we um, unfortunately <laughs> I don't have a time stretcher. I just I, looked up. <laughs> I just looked up and saw the number, and I went, "Whoa!" Yeah, we're done. I want yeah. a I want yeah. a time stretcher because uh, I, w- I wouldn't like to make that forty five <laughs> minutes. How do you ensure against running out of time? Uh, <laughs> what's the, oh, what's right. the mitigation for that? Yeah, yeah we that? only had an insurance guy around <laughs> that we could bad. talk right. to. Um, Greg, as you know, because you've listened to uh, all 160 plus episodes, <laughs> there's you know what if you're show. out there and you have listened to all 160 episodes, like, like drop we us have, a note. Drop us a note. <laughs> I've listened to every show yeah. at 805connect.com, <laughs> and just so you know, when I make up these email addresses, that does come to me. So I'm not Jenny. You can send me that mail, and I, I will get it. Um, we come to the part of the show where you get to wrap a bow around this conversation, give it a title. What are, what are we going to call the show? Hmm. I think I know. I think he said it earlier already. Go ahead. No, wait. It's in there. You wrote it down. Something yeah. about culture. Is some well, diagnosing it, culture. Or something well, I think like that? I think the it's it's for, fundamentally for me anyway. It's the importance of culture. Yeah. Okay. The importance of culture and uh, and 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 the importance of leadership in that. In, in making culture happen, and I don't know how you frame that in a nice, succinct, mm-hmm. you know, send the send the message with your headline. But that would be my desire is 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 to really reinforce that one of the key jobs of of leadership mm. is you you own the culture. It whatever that culture is, you own it. Good or and, bad. and you look in the mirror if you don't like it. Because you you have the power to change it, you have the responsibility to change mm. it. You don't have to change it alone. In fact, your most effective um, cultural change is driven by changes in the leadership group. Often, if they're yeah. not getting with it, you got to find somebody who can help drive better results through better team members with better resources with a better program. Uh, it it's, it all comes though from the top, and and the emphasis and the and the attention and the focus that leadership can provide for driving a better workplace or a, a, a better environment in which that work occurs for clients. So now sum that up, Mark. Just there you have it. Well, that's a great, great bookend. I, um, Kevin Kelly, who was the founder of Wired Magazine, said, um, language is the foundation of culture. So if you say that culture is that, that most important part, and language is the foundation of it, I would posit that uh, being a gifted communicator is the leadership skill that is what culture looks like. It's being able to communicate that culture and be able to talk and have an environment where you can 
where you can have that. Craig, thank That's, you. Let me let me add oh, just one thing really please, quick. No, please, please. Um, it, it's oh, we have also tons the. Of time. It's it's uh, sure you do. Yeah, about thirty <laughs> seconds, right? Um, it, it's it's also the willingness to to go beyond the the discussion of what it should be mm. to take action on making it happen. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that have lofty proclamations on the walls. But in, unless the, the leadership team is willing to say, that dog won't hunt, and really you know, set firm boundaries. It's, it's a lot like effective parenting in that regard. You have to have boundaries for behavior. You have to, so what you tolerate is your culture. And if you, if you, you know, so if you take action to weed out underperformers or bad behavior, that becomes your culture. But mm-hmm. it's not enough to talk about it. You have to take action to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Ideas worth spreading, ideas worth doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Greg, thank you so much. Um, I also, thank you. It's I'm, such a pleasure. I'm going to officially say thanks to also to California Lutheran University School of Management and to you. Now we're going into our third year, right? This yes. is we're at the end of our second year, going into our third year, and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. And Patrick, how could our listener help us right now? Well, our listener is a a wide variety of of dynamic and interesting people, but there are a few of you out there right now. This is your first show. This is the first you, this is your first time listening. That's right. Welcome. Welcome. You've got all the way to the end here. uh, And this is uh, the the time when we explain to you, there are over 160 other shows uh, uh, in our back catalog. Go back there and take a look at them. Uh, find them. Uh, find the one that seems interesting to you. And then <laughs> I was trying to figure out whose phone was buzzing. Sorry, it was mine. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> the guest phones are always allowed to buzz. Yes. Um, but find find a show that's interesting to you. Rate, write, review. Uh, listen, listen to Greg's previous show. Like, yep. like uh, this. This is proof positive that we do in fact bring people back around. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, back catalog, back catalog, back catalog, back catalog. Rate, write, review, subscribe. You guys are doing great work. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning, and I really appreciate the opportunity to work with you as a sponsor. Yeah. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. I if I want to remind you, dear listener, that um, the ideas for guests come from your direct interactions with me, dropping me a note. Um, I, I We are so fortunate to get to meet so many cool people, uh, smart people, uh, people that we just wouldn't normally get to meet in the real world. We get to have them on the show. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com with any suggestion. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.